You're listening to Warriors in the Dust, the official Fink Desert Race podcast. So listen up now. Yes, listen up indeed. Welcome to Warriors in the Dust, the official Fink Desert Race podcast. I'm your host, Murray Silby. This is our first episode, and over the next 10 weeks or so, we'll be bringing you as much information as we can about the great race. Whether you're a competitor, a supporter, a spectator, or someone new to the event, we hope to inform and entertain with plenty of news, interviews, and tips all related to the Fink Desert Race. In this episode, we'll be speaking to two stalwarts of the great race who, as officials, have helped build this race into one of the biggest and best in the country and known around the world as well. And I'll also be speaking to another legend of the race, two-time king of the desert on a bike, Rick Hall, and he'll be giving me a special tip of uh, how to prepare for the big event. So thanks for joining us and let's get started. Okay, imagine you're in charge of a cultural icon, an event almost universally celebrated by its local region. It attracts tens of thousands of visitors each year and millions of dollars worth of equipment is shipped thousands of kilometres into your region for it. The same region that counts on that event for a massive economic influx each year and then a global pandemic hits the world. What do you do? Well, a man who knows is the president of the Fink Desert Race, Anthony Yoffa, and he joins me now. Hi, Yoff. How are you going? Murray, it's great to be here. And I, I loved your intro because you set the scene of what's usually, you know, a build up to a fantastic event. And then there's that, just that dimension from left field that has, you know, really caught us. Yeah. Can you take us back to last year? How far into preparations had you got? And what was the build-up to the decision to cancel the race? Well, we opened entries as usual last year, 2020, in late January, uh, bike entries, that is, and, you know, got well and truly oversubscribed, as we usually do. Uh, There was a lot of anticipation, but there was also, I think, some people already had some reservations. Uh, By early February, we were starting to uh, hear the messaging that was coming out from the federal government. Uh, there are events starting to be, I think uh, events were sort of on standby at that stage, those ones in sort of March, April last year. And, and it suddenly dawned on us in probably mid-February that um, this is something really serious that uh, the decision could be taken out of our hands. So I actually produced a, uh, just a short two-minute video uh, explaining to all our competitors um, why we would need to cancel it if that was going to happen. And I recorded that in uh, mid-February, but uh, just put it on ice. And then come the end of February, a few of us in the committee had had long discussions. And really, once the Australian government said that gatherings of more than 500 people were to be limited, uh, we knew we were cooked. So we made that decision in the first week of March because we understood that 90% of our competitors and crew, which is about 6,000 people, 
will come from interstate and they had forward bookings already made. They had air travel booked. They had a whole host of things. Plus we had car entries opening in mid-March. So we made it immediately. I'd have to say that 99% of people understood. We gave an immediate refund to every bike competitor, the full amount uh, within a week. Because, you know, by, by mid-March then, people were starting to lose jobs. Things were starting, the industry was slowing down. People were, I think, aware that their world was going to be a little bit different. We were particularly lucky in that the timing was right for us. Um, two weeks later, for example, our $200,000 merchandise order would have been past the point of no return. Um, we were able to cancel it with just a, you know, a, a thirty thousand uh, dollar outlay. It's a massive event in Central Australia. A lot of businesses, no doubt, would rely on that massive influx each year. You've got competitors who train and plan it. You know, it's a, it's one of those bucket list items for a lot of competitors. Um, did the decision weigh heavily on you, or was it just one you couldn't avoid? Uh, a bit of both, Murray. I mean, I was concerned that people. You know, they put a lot of effort into saving to come to our event. You know, we, oh, I felt for them, but probably more so for those, as you say, that weren't going to get an income from the event last year. Uh, with those 6,000 interstate visitors that are directly associated to our event, you know, they will all spend at least $1,000 each. You know, that's $6 million dollars. Uh, plus the other officials, plus the, the, the grey nomads that travel through, just the whole carnival that comes to Alice at that time. There, there's a conservative $10 million pumped into the economy. And I was acutely aware from previous years where businesses say, this is our Christmas. Fink weekend is our Christmas. And this year, have you had to put in place any particular measures uh, because of COVID? Uh... In, pre- in your preparation for this year's event? Uh, that's an understatement, Murray, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I imagine um, so. With uh, the Northern Territory Government's Chief Health Officer requiring uh, an event management plan for any event over a, a certain number of people, I think over 500. Uh, well, there's, there's a different hierarchy of requirements as your events get bigger. There, there's a significant body of work that, we would have spent 40 or 50 hours putting together and cross-referencing different things to satisfy um, the health department. We're predominantly an outdoor event. Uh, Very little of our business is conducted indoors except perhaps competitor registration, some media briefings, but most of it's outdoor in the open area. But then you've got the added complexity of uh, Apatula Aboriginal community down at the Fink end. So, you know, we need to have a fairly robust set of arrangements for down there. Um, our individual checkpoints, you know, we have to have something around them because they're a meeting point where if people break down, they're taken to there. And so we've had to introduce or will have to introduce a whole range of protocols that we've never had to do before. Um, there, there's an added cost to doing that, but um, more so it's just the time. You know, this is uncharted waters for us. So we've relied heavily on, a, you know, the health department have got some people that help you with this. And uh, we've, we've lent on them quite a bit. You've just recently put out a call for volunteers. How many do you need? Um, are you concerned that you might have lost any because of the year off last year or are you getting a good reaction? 
look, we had nearly 100, I think, register in those first couple of days that we put out the call. You've got the unusual situation of uh, your reigning champions have been champions for two years now and, and not actually defended the title. Uh, David Walsh on the in the bikes and Jack Rhodes and David Polino in the cars. Um, what's the entry, entries look like? Will they be back? And uh, how about some of the other big names like Toby Price? How, how's the lineups looking? We did an analysis of the... Uh, bike entries this year and of the 879 bike entries that we got on pretty much on day one we had 500 of those were first timers which is a staggering number wow um yeah it is uh and you know those that have competed only once before there's another 140 of them so 640 of 870 have only been here either once before or never competed in it. Um, the, the bike field is really interesting because uh, as Toby's not racing bikes this year, he's not entered in it, um, which means that he won't be racing it, he has dominated the, you know, the podium in, in, in first place, I mean, his first place or nothing, uh, six times in the last decade. And then there's... Um, uh, ben Graham, that had you know four podiums uh, in a bit over uh, you know over the last fourteen years, there hasn't been a lot of winners in the last ten years. Mm. Um, we have so there are only three former winners that, in the bike field that are actually competing, and that's the defending champion uh, David Walsh. Uh, it's Todd Smith, who won in two thousand and thirteen, and it's one of our old hold uh, and you know multiple uh, number of times competing is Darren Griffiths now Griffo won wow. in 2003 wow. and he's been he's been competing yeah. since the 90s he was competing back before I was competing and that was a long time ago I, so I, think it, I was there for his victory he was uh, it was considered something of a breakthrough wasn't it because he had been competing so hard and for so long it was, and it started the change from the domination of, of those, uh, the CR500s that have, had really dominated through the 90s. And then, you know, he was riding a different bike. You know, there'll be people listening to me that are on the wait list and are probably wondering how, they're, how the movement is. There's 191 currently on the wait list. We started with 222 at the end of January. So uh, surprisingly people are pulling out uh, much slower than they have in the past. That's usually through injury, you know, a change of job, uh, relationships, uh, you know, not being able to get leave. But uh, there'll be people that are, you know, over 100 on the list that will be um, thinking, gee, am I really going to make it? And I can't give any guarantees. In, in years gone by, everyone has made it. What about in the cars? Uh, what are the highlights there in the uh lineups for you well i think um you know the old stages that have been coming for quite a while uh just keep coming um so your, your six-time winner in in shannon wrench with with father ian you know they're back again but then someone else that's been coming even longer is uh, mark burrows he's a five-time winner and uh he's been coming since the 90s the uh, sort of mid 90s and just loves the event. 
I suppose the other one of note, and I haven't yet spoken about the defending champions, the other one of note is uh, Jeff Pickering in the production four-wheel drive class. Now, Jeff has won this class. Uh, I'd, I'd hazard a guess he's, he must have won 15 of the last 18, maybe. He is a perennial competitor in the production four-wheel drive class in his Mitsubishi Pajero, and he's a perennial winner. I was so just going that, to say Pajero, but, yeah, He's still driving it. Fantastic. You know, you know, some people still like Pajeros, believe it or not. <laughs> you know, uh, I know there are, you know, people like yourself that might think they're, you know, they're, oh, they're no, a little bit old. But... One fifteen out of eighteen or something. They must go okay. Oh, you know, it, it may even be uh, be more than that. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he, he's a real gentleman. But other winners, other premiers, previous winners that are competing, uh, Greg Gartner is back. Um, Brad Gallard is back. Dave Fellows, who's a six-time winner, five times in the saddle and once as the uh, Navi. Uh, Hayden Bentley. Toby Price is, uh, he's got this new, he's got, apparently got this new truck, uh, which is, you know, super exciting uh, and, and ha- has a, a massive following. And you'll be pleased to know that uh, he's in. Fantastic. He'll be here with, with, you know, a massive number of, huge number of support. He's got a new truck, mm. uh, ha- has an incredible following. But what I can't find is an entry for the defending champion, Jack Rhodes oh, and David right. Polino. Wow. There's 165 in the car field and there's 30 on the wait list. Just before we go, I will just also tell you that the uh, we have 11 uh female riders this year in the bike section which is fantastic so it's good to see that we've yeah. got you know a good number of um uh, ladies yeah. getting on a bike we better wrap it up uh Yoff, but i really appreciate your time coming on and being the first guest on the first episode of warriors in the dust the fink desert race podcast and uh Great talking to you. We'll probably chat with you at some stage in the coming weeks in the lead up to the event. And uh, can we just wish your, you and your team the best of luck for the coming weeks and for the event itself. And hopefully COVID uh, doesn't rear its ugly head again. Good on you, Murray. I much appreciate that. It's been great talking to you. You too. Anthony Yoffa, president of the Fink Desert Race Committee there. And uh, from one legend to another two-time Fink Desert Race, King of the Desert on the Bikes. Rick Hall joins me here on Warriors in the Dust. Thanks for joining me, Rick. How are you? Thanks for having me, Murray. Um, It's good to see you. I haven't seen you for a long time. Um, Of course, we're on a Zoom meeting doing this, which is interesting. The first time I've done it. So, uh, yeah, and uh, Fink's getting closer and uh, everyone's getting excited and uh, uh, every year brings... um, different interesting opportunities it does and uh your contributions will be much appreciated over the coming weeks so uh thanks for that there's not much you don't know about the race and we just heard there from Yoff, uh current president of the fink desert race and one of the great contributors to the race we'll get to that a little bit more later but um he was talking about what it sort of meant to the town when the race was cancelled last year. What, what's your thoughts on that? How, how do you think it affected the town not having a race last year? Oh, it was de- definitely missed. Um, and we miss it. Uh, my wife, Julie, and I miss it terribly because we have so many good friends come and stay with us. And, um, and it's a highlight of our year. Um, 
the town missed out economically. Um, it missed out socially. And, um, and there's a lot of people that just, it's their annual event to go down and camp and watch the race. And uh, for some of them, it's been uh, the better part of 40 years they've done that. So, so it's just really interesting. And uh, for, particularly from a personal level, it was ter- ter- terribly missed by me and, uh, and my family. So um, this year, um, it's back and we're really looking forward to it. And uh, we'll be talking to some competitors, uh, hopefully most of the key competitors in the coming weeks. Um, have you got any uh, intelligence on uh, the defending champions or anybody else who's uh, looking particularly good? Um, just some interesting things I, I learn and uh, I, I speak to Ben Grabham every now and then and uh, he has some interesting insights. Uh, I've got a lot of friends that are past winners, so... So just just really interesting. Daniel um, Sanders, Chucky, he's otherwise known as, recently competed in the Dakar and came fourth as a rookie. And he's, uh, I believe, he's entered and um, and uh, he's still 50-50 as to whether he's coming because he's got other other uh, commitments. But we really hope that he can come. David Walsh is always going to be hard to beat. His commitment to the race and his track knowledge, you just can't pass. So. Uh, so yeah, and, and David Walsh again is a friend, and I always he's put in so many hard yards. I I hope he can become a multiple winner. And in the cars, Jack Rhodes and David Polino, we're we're not sure whether they're racing or not. It seems uh, according to Yoff, they may not be. So we'll look into that over the next few weeks. Um, and one of the great exciting things for the Warriors in the Dust podcast, Rick, is coming up shortly, and that's your tip. And hopefully we can do this every week um, because I notice on social media there's a lot of competitors and supporters and even people who are just wanting to come and spectate. Uh, they're asking a lot of questions. There's, a, there's some things that some locals might assume everybody knows and even mm. some of the locals may not know. But your knowledge... I, I don't know if it could be surpassed by anybody. So I'm looking forward to your tip every week and uh, we'll get to, are you as excited about it as me? Oh, probably. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, enough anticipation. The moment has come for Rick's tip. I always, I've always spelt, spoken to previous champions about this. So, um, one of them has been Grabham is about uh, first time is pre-running. If you're going to pre-run, it's not a race. Just go down and have a look at the track. So many guys come here and don't actually make the race because they've hurt themselves pre-running. Go down, look at the track, head south before 12, head north after 12. Just look at the track, right half throttle, right at a good pace, but don't hurt yourself before the race. And nearly uh, rhymed, Murray. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I knew you were a poet. I did. So are there any other rules that surround pre-running is that you've mentioned the uh south before 12 north i would have thought after 12 30 just in case but after 12 yes yeah um is there any other rules like uh, i've seen uh, questions on social media about whether you can ride an unregistered bike and things like that yeah that's that's um ultimately you want to have a registered bike because you're insured so uh so, um, so that, that protects you from, from uh, being taken to court if you have an accident with someone on a registered bike. Um, it's just a really interesting one. And subregs uh, stipulate also that if you are 
pre-running, you should be on a registered bike. So, so uh, uh, just a really interesting one. I just urge people to be careful. To be honest, um, it's it's a track that's open to the public. Um, it's not the Fink Desert Races track, and so people need to be cautious. They need to think about the job at hand, getting to know the track, and they need to know that there's tourists using that route as well. So, uh, so if you're you're think you're in the race and you're you're burning down a track at 160 or 70 and then a four drive pops out from around the corner you won't have much many places to go other than into the bush or take on the take on the four drive so yeah so be careful yes and i think it's probably important to say that essentially even though it's a track it is essentially a public road as far as registration yeah. and licenses I- and things like that go correct and i sound like a real killjoy but i guess i just I, I just want people to be safe and, and the safer they are, the better race they will be and getting to know the track and, and where to slow down are the main ones. And, and you're not going to remember everything if you're, you're um, trying to race your mate down there. Yes. Excellent. And uh, another great tip there. Well, it's the first tip actually. So it's fantastic, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to next week already. I can't wait to hear your next tip. In a moment, we'll be hearing from Damien Ryan. Mayor of the Alice Springs Town Council and uh, Rick, both uh, Anthony Offer, the current president, and Damien Ryan, I think a past president, they've been pretty instrumental in the growth of the race and from early beginnings to now. What can you tell us about the contributions of both of them? Amazing contributions by both both of those really good blokes, um, both are life members of the Fing Desert Race um i'll talk about yoff he's a really good friend of mine he's been a, in the on the committee for 21 years i think he's been the president for 19 consecutively um has uh taken um think from a good race to a great race um and just as has is always thinking three steps ahead of um ahead of where he needs to be which is what you need from a leader i guess um and just has been flawless in his management of the Fing Desert Race. So I, I have a lot of respect for him uh as as a president. Um and he's a really I'm really proud to say he's a great mate. And uh and I if I hopefully he's still around in a few years. We're we're actually yesterday we we're talking about the 50th and he was urging me to seriously consider racing it, but uh I probably might if he will. Um <laughs> And uh, yes, but yeah, nothing but praise for Yoff. And of course, Damien being the mayor of Alice Springs is another friend. I don't know him as well as Yoff, but uh, he, again, he t- took the Fink Desert race from a, you know, a club race to a national race. So, uh, so he did great things and, uh, and also got big riders here as well. So he got the likes of Stephen Gould, which you'd probably talk about. Phil Lovett, um, some really big names, Glenn Bell, which really put Fink on the map and just two really good blokes that, that Fink needed at the right time and they took it to the right place. Good on you, Rick. Um, and we'll come back to you a little later, but now it's time to hear from Damien Ryan. Okay, when the Fink Desert Race was cancelled last year to the COVID-19 pandemic, it left a massive hole in the social and economic fabric of the town and the region, One of the key people who has had to help deal with the consequences of the cancellation is the Alice Springs Town Council Mayor, Damien Ryan. 
And Damien joins me now. Hi, Damien. Welcome to Warriors in the Dust. How are you going? Oh, good. Thanks, Murray. You've got a huge history with the Fink Desert Race itself, but let's just step back to last year initially. And when was it that you knew that the race wouldn't go ahead? And how did you feel about that? Being a realist, uh, you know, this time last year, middle of March, when things started to, to shut down, it was always going to be difficult to see it run. You know, a lot of people's optimism was, oh, you know, it might be six weeks, you know, we'll be okay, we'll be okay. But you know from years of experience that people who make the decision to come and compete in uh, this wonderful event really need from January onwards. But it's around their financial commitment to this race because it's, it's not a cheap race to partake in. Uh, also follow up their mates because they need support out here. So there's a lot of logistical work done by every competitor. When you got to March and, and uh, COVID-19 was first exposed to the world, uh, it, it changed a bit. You know, I had a few calls from some interstaters who had already then thought that, well, in March to June, now it's a bit dicey, even if it's six weeks. So I always felt that there was concern right through that period. When the committee made a call and, and had to cancel uh, the event or postpone the event, yeah, there was lots of disappointment. You, you Economically, and there are so many businesses in this town that benefit every year. Uh, we're you know, going on for over 40 plus years. The fact is that this is a boom time in that part here, whether you're in accommodation, whether you're selling fuel, whether uh, you're a supermarket or whether you're a camping uh, store or a motorcycle business. So, yeah, that, that was the first big hit. The other thing that's never measured, I suppose, is, is the excitement uh, or well-being barometer. There are staggering how many people in this community who talk think, love think. So when there's a realisation that you, you weren't going to do it in 2020, you could hear the community sigh, to be honest. And there's been some publicity in the media recently about some troubles in the town, antisocial behaviour, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, what's your message to people who are coming to visit? This has been an issue over recent times. And uh, as at even last night, I see the police have, have got another approach to it. Uh, the council are working with patrols. It's everybody's business. It's their own safety. And this is a really important factor. When you come to Alice Springs, just, uh, um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I'd always be travelling with a friend. I'd be always conscious of what I'm consuming and I'd always be out to have a good time. And I've always found the town very welcoming of the Fink visitors and the Fink itself. And um, given its importance to the town, I would have thought most people would get a pretty warm welcome, wouldn't you? Uh, it's one of those things that has grown because of this event. I mean, the event was the mythology of this event was that we had a particular character in Alice Springs. He still lives here, Jeff Curtis. Uh, he's a three-time winner, legend of the race. He was pretty much unstoppable on a motorcycle. There was an event designed to beat Curtis. He's sort of like part of the myth. So they read about stories in America and desert races. and So they found a track which followed the railway line from here to Fink, now today known as Apachula, 
uh, and back. It was great. You know, it was an overnight camp and, and Jeff Curtis turned up on his DT250 with about an inch and a half of travel in the suspension. Uh, it was a shotgun start, which, you know, today's of h and you're never going to do. The gun was fired and 52 mad men in their motorcycles headed for Fink. Then they got up at some unearthly hour in a bush camp and they left Fink at 6 o'clock in the morning to ride home. Jeff Curtis won at six hours. The next year, he went from six-hour winner the first year to five hours, 30 seconds the second year. And uh, he rode a Suzuki RM400 two-stroke and he kicked butt and he won the race. And then over the years, you know, people like Randall Gregory who won it five times, you know, nobody ever knew how good he was. He just kept winning by... To bring all these people in, you know, we've had the goals and we've had uh, Phil Lover, who's probably one of Australia's royalties in off-road race. He's still racing here, but these days, you know, side by side. He won it three times, Randall five times, Gaul twice, State twice. The list goes on. Uh, Rick Hall won it twice. After a number of years and, and as organisers, you wonder what you're going to do for your motorcycle riders as they grow older. So that was where the car concept came from. But then we got into the current era and, you know, the, the guy who is probably one of the best-known cyclists in this country today, uh, you know, he, he's won Dakar and he's won our race many times. Yes. Like, he, Toby Price has done as much for our race as the early pioneers. Toby Price brought a whole new era. We run events in this town now, like uh, a function on the Thursday night before. We bring stunt motorcyclists into the middle of town and they jump incredibly into the nighty sky. And then we set up a table where all of our top, you know, 10 or 20 competitors for the year sign uh, autograph sheets for kids, unheard of 30 years ago. And, you know, Toby Price will be still there two hours later signing these bits of paper and so forth for kids. The most recognisable local rider is the current champion uh, in David Walsh. Uh, David had a lot of bad luck stories. When he finally won it in 2019, it was just sensational, a local competitor. And uh, it's very interesting. He didn't get to defend it in 2020, but he's carrying the number one plate for 24 months, put it that way. He'll be out there to defend his title this year. Yes, fantastic. And we're hoping to catch up with him in the coming weeks. Damien, thank you very much. It's been great chatting with you. Uh, congratulations on the role you've played in the growth of the Fink Desert Race. The people who bring the enjoyment are the competitors and the people who do the work are the volunteers. They're the heroes. Yes, it's amazing the, the number of volunteers who put their hand up to make this happen. That's sensational as well. So thank you very much for your time, Damien, and best of thank luck you. to the town and for the event this year. Thanks, Murray. Damien Ryan, the Mayor of Alice Springs there, and, and Rick Hall, two-time Fink Desert Race winner on a bike. Damien speaking there a lot about the things, about how it impacted the town and the cancellation last year. Um, because it is such a big event now, what's, what's your first memories? Let's go back as far as you can remember. What was the race like uh, when you, with your first memories of it? Uh, I moved to Alice Springs in 1981 and it's one of the most vivid memories I have of moving to Alice Springs and uh, going out to the start line, seeing the Le Mans start, shotgun blokes run to their bikes, jump on, 
30, 40 at a time, leave, go down the South Road, and in a cloud of dust, they've gone. And uh, I, I was always a kid living near the sea in South Australia. I was always captivated by motorbikes, but never had much exposure to them. So it was my first exposure to them. So just really great memories of the first event I'd seen. And uh, and over time, I, I grew to love it. I eventually got a mini bike myself and started to ride. I was never that crash hot, but over time I learned. And uh, and I guess the rest is history. And you, you embrace thinking, you learn how to ride it, and you learn how to ride it fast. And uh, it, become, it becomes part of your life. Rick, really looking forward to hearing your insights over the journey. And... Um and looking forward to uh, working with you here on Warriors in the Dust in the coming weeks. Uh, thanks for your time this week, and uh, hopefully we can catch you again next week. Thank you, Murray. I, th- I think this is uh, having uh, a podcast about Fink is something that's long overdue, so well, I congratulate you, my friend. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, thanks to our guests, Anthony Offer and Damien Ryan, and especially to Rick Hall there. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week. I'm Murray Sylvie. This is Warriors in the Dust. Take care until then. You've been listening to Warriors in the Dust, the official Fink Desert Race podcast. Move along now.